reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I am your co-host, Justin Pettig, alongside my other co-host today, who is not Bobby Skinner. He is still on his deathbed. It is Nikki Snacks. Now, Snacks, I have a quote to start off the show today. Because the Giants are having an insane season. Giants fans are going insane, rightfully so. So I figured let's let's bring you on. And here's the quote. A sane person to an insane society must appear insane. And that quote was by Kurt Vonnegut Jr., who is not, I don't think, a bad person. A sane person to an insane society must appear insane. Nikki Snacks, Snacks, you're one of my best friends. How are you doing today, my friend? Well, I will first off by saying um, I'm sorry to everybody that wants to hear Bobby. I, I, I truly am. He's very large shoes to fill, literally and figuratively, but I'm going to do my best. And Justin, you know how much I love you, and I'm happy to be here. I love you guys, and uh, I'm do- doing great, which Good. is weird because I, I, I'm normally not doing great. Well, this I'm football, this football like, team is not making you feel great. No, 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 not at all. And uh, I, I, you know what? It's also, it's also crazy too. I had some sour milk this morning because I always eat cereal in the morning. It's my first, it's my go-to. Intentionally, you intentionally had sour milk? No, no, absolutely not. Oh, okay. I just didn't look at the expiration date. And then I, I, I literally took a, a bite out of my Captain Crunch and it was sour milk. You know who else didn't look at the expiration date? Oh, I can't wait to hear this one. Go ahead. John Mara, when it comes to Dave Gettleman's job. Ah, right. That's you know what that's that's also a great question. I don't know if it's coming up in the mailbag, but the fact that he's still around and he fired a two-time Super Bowl winning GM midseason and hasn't done that. Anyway, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, Sorry. I think they know. I mean, the thing. So yeah, we, there are it's no known. Dave Gettleman questions. This is a yeah. mailbag episode. Um, right. You know, we have some news to talk about, like very brief news. Like, here's the news. The Giants signed uh, Clayton Thorson to their practice squad. Remember that really bad quarterback during the preseason? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. Um, here, here, game, here's our real game changer. Here's our healthy quarterbacks right now. Uh, we have uh, uh, Fromm, Lewerke, and uh, Clayton Thorson. The, the Brian Lewerke and Clayton Thorson are now. Now Thorson signed to the practice squad. I don't think he's going to get elevated. I think he's kind of just there as the practice squad guy since Lewerke was the practice squad guy. Um, Glennon's under concussion protocol, like we said, and Jones is, you know, definitely out, you know, so yes. it seems. So, so. so Lewerke knew, knows the system. He's been in the building. and uh, Thorson, too. Thorson was, but he was really bad. Yeah, <laughs> right. Thorson was very bad, but I think Lewerke, you can kind of build up a little bit just in case of an emergency, so I, I get it. But, yeah, that's the, that's the state of affairs, which is un- unbelievable right now. Yeah, Giants quarterback room is, is, not, a, is, is not a fun spot, so – Snacks, we have a Patreon member. So we have one new Patreon member, and it is Don Kaplan. 
who is bringing mm-hmm. you the show today. So, Snacks, how did Don sponsor this show? Where did he go? Where did he go? He went to patreon.com slash talking giants. What do you get? What do you what do you get? Are you kidding me? Do you, you know? You, you, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess right here because I'm a guess. Patreon member, and if I don't know, then it's it's terrible. You get first access to all the podcasts. Boom. You go. You you get to watch Bobby and Justin live. Boom. During the video, you get to enter a raffle for a T-shirt, merchandise, anything, yep. and you are one of the people that you get shut out. So there's a lot of benefits to being a Patreon member. I have gotten none of them. So True. that's. You know, as a Patreon member for I close to you know what year and a half now, I've got nothing. But if Don, you're really close with us, you get nothing, but you give us two dollars a month. Correct, <laughs> and the two dollars is well worth it because just seeing just seeing Justin and Bobby going at it right away after a game live show before 12, 12 midnight or the next morning, it's very beneficial. So any Patreon member that, well, I shouldn't say that. Anybody that's not a Patreon member should be a Patreon member Boom. right away. So good for you, Don. And I hope you win the T-shirt contest next week. Yes. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Uh, our friend Zach Rosenblatt is also spending the week in Tucson, Arizona. The Giants yeah. are also in Tucson, Arizona. The University of Arizona, that's where they're practicing this week. Um, I need to text Zach to stop posting all of the great food that he's been having. like Because that's what he's been doing recently. Yeah. Um, and it's been pissing me off, so he needs to stop. Couple nice cocktails too that I've been wanting. Yeah, to it's, show, so. he, he's got to stop. I mean, we're sitting here yeah. in New Jersey; it's thirty-eight degrees, and he—he's a University of Arizona alum, right? Yes, he is. The, so okay. he actually so, wrote a really cool article on NJ.com yes. about like the up. Giants practicing in Tucson. How Joe Judge kind of came up to him in July and was like, "What's Arizona like?" You know, uh, <laughs> and Zach was like, "Hey, this is what it's like." I went there. Um, so maybe Zach Rosenblatt did a good job convincing Joe Judge that the Giants should practice out in the University of Arizona. So he did a good job breaking down like what the Giants are doing there, some of the things they want to accomplish, where they're going to be at, where they're going to be practicing, and then also like Zach's personal touch of his story. Like so that was a that was really it was cool it, it was a, it was a very good story absolutely and uh, it, it's funny because I, I remember he tweeted out something like Joe Judge asked me something before the season started and now it's coming to fruition and then the next day it was a story. Yeah. So very cool. And Zach Rosenblatt, uh, you know, member, member of the, member of the show. So. Nah, media, some clowns, media, some clowns. Oh, that's true. That's true. Media, some clowns. All right. So we got a mailbag episode. We got a lot of questions we got to get to. So Steve, take it away. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. All right, thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Snacks, let's get to the mail. So, from Doug Fresh 686, what do you believe our offense will look like with our new quarterback to help, quote-unquote, ensure success in parentheses if that's even possible and really funny picture he included uh because he, he said did. doug said insure in quotes so he put jake from state farm yes. jake from state farm so a lot of those jokes have been made uh throwback to a couple weeks ago where i thought dougie fresh's name was doe doe fresh eight six because i'm an idiot 
All right, Snacks, so we know that. I have a pad full of notes on Jake Fromm. Now, when Bobby's back for the preview pod on Friday, we'll talk more about maybe game plan and what he expects from Jake Fromm, but I figured since it's basically already known at this point that Fromm's going to start, I want to just give some some brief yeah. overlying thoughts on him. I think he's a game manager at best. Game manager at best who was never asked to do anything special at Georgia. Um, and I think, frankly, calling him a game manager. Now, this guy was drafted in the fifth round out of the University of Georgia, fifth round by the Buffalo Bills in 2020. I believe he was like that protected that protected guy because of the COVID year last year. Um, he was not on the active roster last year. He was released by the Bills in 2021, but now he was signed to their practice squad this year, and the Giants poached him off of the Bills' practice squad. So that's where that's where he's been. He's been on the Bills, and he hasn't really been active. He hasn't really taken he hasn't taken an NFL snap. You know, Josh Allen's in Buffalo, and also Jake Fromm. You know, not 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 very good. But game manager at best, never asked to do anything crazy at Georgia. His best quality and his best trade as a quarterback, at least at Georgia, was not turning over the ball or not putting it in harm in harm's way. Now, that's good, especially if you're talking about for a backup quarterback, but when we're just talking about quarterbacks in general, when your best quality is just not turning over the football, that usually means you're not a, you're not the best uh, not the best quarterback. You're, he was a three-year starter at Georgia. Um, he only had seven 35-plus passing attempt games at the University of Georgia. So, again, it's an, it's an offense that never really asked him to do a lot, and at least with Mike Glennon. Like, we talked about Mike Glennon, and Bobby talked about with Mike Glennon. Like, he can make NFL throws, and he has an NFL arm. Now, Cole takes exposed based off the Miami game, but even before that Miami game, you're looking at Mike Glennon, where it's like, this he's a quality backup that can make some throws. Now, the, I think Glennon sort of 7-for-7, seven seven, so you know, he wasn't having a bad game until he had a really bad game. 10, ten of 11 before he really went off the yeah, defense. Yeah, but Fromm doesn't even, like, have that. Like, I, Fromm right. doesn't even have, like, an NFL-quality arm that you, that you look at him and you could say, hey, he can make NFL-quality throws. Doesn't mean that he's going to suck. Doesn't mean that he's going to be really, really bad. But again, just looking at like what he came out of Georgia, that's the evaluation. Um, saw some plays at Georgia where he gave wide receivers a chance to make back shoulder catches. So if there's an opportunity for Kenny Galladay, you know, maybe Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, if they want to use him down the field. And, you know, you think back to that uh, touchdown that Evan Ingram had against the Raiders. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. You know, if they want to give these wide receivers and these skill position players an opportunity to go up and make a play. Kenny Galladay, big play, contested catch. Maybe we see it this weekend. A ton of experience, almost 1,000 attempts in college as a three-year starter. He did lead the Bills on a game-winning field goal drive during the preseason game this year with one minute to go against the Lions. So that's something if you want to look up highlights of like three really good throws that he made. And he was the star in the 2011 Little League World Series where he had the nickname Manchild. He was a hitter, pitcher, and he did it all. That's... That's my Jake Fromm notes. That's you your go. scattering report. And you know what? It's funny because you, you took everything that I wanted to say. Game manager was exactly the word, the two words I was going to say about Jake Fromm. Um, I remember watching him in Georgia and thinking, okay, he's all right. But then I realized Georgia is on a different level than every other team in college football outside of Alabama, who we all know how that ended. Yeah. He doesn't have the arm strength, but he doesn't turn the ball over, which is nice. And even Mike Glennon against Miami, he had one turnover that was – you could probably agree with me. I don't hate that turnover that he threw in double coverage, pinned at the one-yard line. Yeah, it serves, it serves it, as a punt, yeah. Correct, right, and he took a shot, which is nice. 
I don't think Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm can do that because he doesn't have the arm strength. But w- w- would a team like the Los Angeles Chargers that's letting up 142 yards on the ground from running backs in every game, you, you could think that maybe Jake Fromm can keep you in it. So I, I, I can't really say anything different than what you just said because that's all I want to say. He's a game manager. He doesn't have the arm strength. The Little League World Series one kind of throws me for a loop because, <laughs> you know. How many, how many times do you think we're going to hear if, – if, if there are good broadcasters that do their research and they're, and they're desperate for talking points, how many times do you think we're going to hear that on the broadcast on Sunday? Well, if they're de- if, well they should be desperate for talking points. So I'll, I'll say over under one and a half. Yeah, if, they're not, if they're not sucking off, which I mean they should. If they're not sucking off Justin Herbert the entire Which they time, will be. Which and they, sh- I can't, which I they can't, should, but you don't I like Justin Herbert. I can't stand Justin Herbert. I never can, never will, and I never, ever, 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 ever. Anyway. But no, you're 100% right. He, Jake Fromm is as epitome of a game manager as you can get. He's a fifth-round pick for a reason. Um, he won big games in Georgia, but I think that's a product of his team. And then you're, you're looking, you know, I, I watched the highlights of him in the preseason with the Bills, and he's, he was playing against defenders that really are not in the NFL anymore. So – uh, he was playing in the fourth notice. quarter. I mean, they had right. they, Bobby talked about this too. They had Davis Webb on the depth chart over Jake Fromm. The Buffalo Bills did. So I mean, that, which is crazy. That and we all know Davis you. Webb. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> we all know about Davis Webb. Really good in shorts. So um, don't don't get your hopes up for for Jake Fromm. But I, I do want to see how he manages an offense. And not talking about. I, I I read a lot of like scattering reports pre. Uh, pre-2020 draft when he was drafted in the fifth round. And everything I read was he's a good leader, which is – that's nice to hear. I, I I like, you know, command of a huddle. All right, but let, but let me ask you, as, as a fan who isn't psychotic like Bobby and I who have to talk about this football team three three times a year, like what – coming in, coming into this Sunday with Jake Fromm at the helm, like if you weren't a psychotic Giants fan who has to watch every single game and who has to bleed blue – would you right. even consider turning on this television or having any kind of emotional investment? No, not I wouldn't. I wouldn't give one iota of a crap. Not even close. Nothing. Yeah, like th- th- that. That's where it's come to. And Jake from, and it's not their fault. And that's probably a question for later on in the in the mailbag. But no, I, I have no no care in the world to watch Jake from in Los Angeles after the Giants are in Arizona. And doing all these different things, it's just you know what it's it's almost too insane for me yeah. to even process. If so, the Giants average one and a half offensive touchdowns with Daniel Jones, and they scored nine points with Mike Glennon against a Miami defense that is good, it, that Miami defense is a good defense, but they still allow, defense, yeah. they still allow a lot of yards, and they've allowed a lot of explosive plays throughout the year. You know, if they only scored nine points with Mike Lennon leading that team in in Miami, and now they're going against Los Angeles, which they have a bad defense, but you're talking about a good offense where, you know, you're going to have an expectation of you're going to need to keep up with them. I'm expecting nothing. Uh, I'm just expecting nothing. And we'll, and we'll talk about that on Friday. We'll get to that on Friday, but you know, that's, that's kind of Jake Fromm in a, in a nutshell, you know, game, game manager at best. And Frankly, that's not the worst thing, but when your ceiling is a game manager, then you know, then that's that's kind of like where we're no, at. No, correct. So. Nobody should be getting excited about Jake Fromm because he's not gonna he's not gonna lead us to like five wins in a row and make the playoffs. Nothing like that. But what I would like to see this week and kind of to pivot on that, as I was saying before, the Chargers run defense is really bad. I'd like to see Saquon and Devin Booker go off. Yeah. 
that would be nice. And Jake Fromm can manage that. If he's got a run game, he could manage those types of situations. So Yeah, basically, I'm thinking of giving away a Friday talking point. A mix between the Raider game plan and the Panther game plan. Yep. Where the Raiders, they actually were able to run the ball well. And then the Panthers, it was like moving around the pocket a little bit and just quick throws. Like, it's a mix... The offensive game plan needs to be a mix between those two games. And then also the Eagle the Eagle game too, where wide receivers got yards after the catch. Where that, you know, that was never a thing with Jason yeah. Garrett. So all right, that's Jake Fromm. We'll talk more about him on Friday. Bobby will give his perspective. Yeah, please. Snacks. I, I, I'm not the right guy to talk about. Snacks, why don't we get into our um, you know, keep uh, chugging along in this mailbag? We got yeah, two questions let's, let's back to do back. It. We, yep, yep, absolutely. All right. So from uh from IG underscore RJ, RJ from RJ. RJ. Okay, RJ. We'll, we'll just do RJ. Based on the overall season, do you think it's the coaching staff's fault for the failed season or players not executing? Next one. How much would you say injuries have played a part in this season's failure? Every team's face is injuries, but we lost some key guys early to season-ending injuries, and our wide receivers, RBs, LT, and now QB have been in and out of the lineup. All right, so that was Glock Roach that – Ask yeah. that second question. So let's start off with the first one by RJ. Based on the overall season, do you think it's the coaching staff's fault or players not executing? So where where are you kind of on that right now? Don't get into if you want to fire Joe Judge because that's nope. another question. But just looking at the season as a whole, players executing, player injuries will include that for Glock Roach as well, and then coaching staff. Talk to me. Yeah, no. So I'm glad you combined both in, into one because I, I do think they all you know counteract each other. Um, defensively, I think the coaching is immaculate. And I know I, some people that follow me on Twitter, I, I call Patrick Graham a con artist. He's not. He's a phenomenal defensive coordinator, and I will always be confident in a defensive game plan that he is coaching. Uh, offensively, it's a different story. So uh, you and Bobby have talked about at nauseum that Jason Garrett has held this team back for how long? And it's killed the play calling, you know, situational offense, everything. It's just been all so bad. But I also do get the sense that, you know, injuries have hurt. Kenny Galladay, a $72 million wide receiver, has been hurt for three games. He was out. Kadarius Tony, the first-round pick who we saw electrifies every time the ball is in his hands, has been hurt. But And then Daniel Jones is hurt, and he's yeah. missing. He missed last week, He's been, and we all want to see him with Freddie Kitchens. So – I. I think it's a very difficult question to answer, but I would say, I know this is probably a cop-out answer, but defensively, the coaching has been astronomically amazing. Everything they have done defensively over the last six weeks has been phenomenal. On offense, it's been a br brutal, brutal. And even after firing Jason Garrett, and I get it, Mike Glennon's played and whatnot, but it was, it was not for that either. The injuries have definitely taken a toll, but without the proper protection in front and without proper play calling to get these weapons open, you're never going to have any sustained success. Yeah, where I am with this question is why do I think the season, like how do I think the season's a failure based on injuries, coaching, player execution? I think defensively, especially the first few weeks of the season where the defense really did let us down, I was talking over and over again about player execution, where how many dropped interceptions did we have? How many missed sacks did we have? 
you know, and I think Patrick Graham had to adjust where, yes, Patrick Graham was doing some different things and he had to adjust and he had to kind of mesh, mix and match what he was doing in 2020 with the too right. high safety look that he was doing in 2021. But I think people in the building also misevaluated the edge room and this pass rush, which then therefore influenced how Patrick Graham called the first part of the season. And then he's like, oh, shit, our pass rush actually stinks. So I need to go back to what we were doing in 2020. And then you've seen the combination of what's been, you know, the this last basically since the Ram game, since week seven. Week right. seven from now from now has been like good defense, good Patrick Graham, good Giants defense. Um and then on the offensive side of the ball, I put it on I, I put it on coaching and I and I do put it on injuries. And and here's and here's why. There is a world and a very realistic world where Kenny Galladay doesn't get hurt during training camp. This all goes back to training camp, by the way. It doesn't even just go back to this year. You know, there is a world where if Galladay's healthy, if Tony's healthy, and this, these are huge what-ifs, and every NFL team does need to experience injuries, but if these guys are healthy, this is a slightly below-average offense, and Jason Garrett still has his job, and the Giants have won a few more football games. Like, that, that reality is true. However, even if that were the case, Snacks, let's just say the Giants have maybe six wins on the year instead of four and they're in the playoff hunt, the issues of this football team, the large issues of not producing enough explosive plays and not producing enough points, those would still be very large realities, except we would just be a little bit more healthy and we would have won a, a few more games. That's the point, and that's it where would, the injuries come in. It, it would look better, yes, correct. And I, I, I completely agree. And what you said about the defense is exactly what I was saying. Yeah. So, like, like coaching everything, and they have they have showed up. Offensively, the injuries have killed them. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but the, the coaching, I would say, the coaching flaws on the offensive side of the ball far outweigh. It's, it's it's yes, it outweighs the impact of like you. The offense shouldn't be deflated by losing Andrew Thomas. Like well, it, it shouldn't. And see, okay, you know? so you just took you just took the words right out of my mouth because. That Saints game, I have never been more in love. I, I was ready to like get all in. The Giants' offense in the fourth quarter was moving, and Andrew Thomas, credit to Bobby. Let's shout him out because I don't know if he's going to die or not tonight. But either way, Andrew Thomas is guy. Andrew Thomas is really, really, really good, really good. Yeah, and him going out decimated everything, everything. Which is insane for four other yeah. linemen that are to the right of him. Which losing your left tackle is a everything. huge deal. Like losing your oh, left tackle massive. is a huge oh, deal. Oh, it's massive. You, you see, it's massive. You yeah. see with Dak Prescott, with Tyrone Smith, and losing him the impact that it has. But the point is, is that it shouldn't derail. Like right. where right. you don't even score an offensive touchdown in a game. You know there there have been games this season where the Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown. They've scored one offensive touchdown this year, and that's it. Yeah. And that's been the second half of the season where. It, it's a, it's a surprise if the Giants score two offensive touchdowns. It's like, whoa, what are we doing? You know that that shouldn't be the case. It really shouldn't. So I wa I watch I watch every game with my brother Anthony and my dad, and we get in, we get like twenty yard line, whatever. I'm like, all right, let's just pray we can make the field goal. That's sad. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we, I have no confidence that we, we sign a a red zone tight end for nothing. Okay. So he, he he's gone, Kyle Rudolph. Nice to see you. Good to meet you. You know, go celebrate St. Patty's Day, Minnesota. We don't need you here. But it, it it's terrible to even think about that we have even the slightest 
not even the slightest hope that we could score a touchdown after we go past the 25-yard line. It's crazy. But, yeah, you're right. So I, I, I would say, I would say, in short, coaching on, on defense has been phenomenal, and I'm not a big Blake Martinez fan, but he's been missed, and Bradbury's been bad, and Jay, uh, Patrick, Patrick Graham has been phenomenal for the last six, seven weeks. Yeah. Patrick Graham has been able to coach around the pieces that he's lost slash the pieces that he hasn't even had in the first place. Whereas the offensive side of the ball is still trying to do that. So that's, that that's, that's the bottom line. So So we're we're on the same page there. We're on the same page. Let's get to the, let's get to the next pair of questions. Make sure that you read both both people's names before you, uh, before you ask their question. All right. Well, I'm I'm new here. So yeah. How many mailbag episodes? I I, I also, I also can't see. All right. So Fadi H uh, Jr. Here we go. What will it take for Judge to get fired this year, if at all? I really can't stand just switching between who gets fired and who stays every two and three years and would rather the new GM pick his own head coach. I don't get why Merritt doesn't understand this process. And then Matt follows that up with at NFL uh, fan Matt is Patrick Graham's excellence enough to keep Joe judge around. So snacks, the whole Joe judge conversation is, this is, this is a good one. I think we're going to have a good conversation right here. It's a yeah. complicated question, but it's also extremely simple at the same time. Why it's simple. I'm of the belief. Bobby's of the belief. I think you're of the belief. And I think every fan is, uh, is mostly under the belief that the GM and the head coach should be in sync with each other. And the Giants should not make the same mistake for the third time around. Keeping the coach, firing the GM, and then keeping continuity, some sort of continuity in the building just for continuity's sake. Because as we know with the whole Jason Garrett thing, the when your best argument is continuity, it's a bad argument. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a bad Terrible. reason. So that's why it's simple. But why it's complicated is because John Mara is going to sit in front of the microphone or stand in front of the microphone at the end of the year and I'm going to say this a million, million times. And I actually want to see if I could put money on it. I may bet somebody. No, I, you know, please clip this because when he says it, you're going to clip it as you say it. And it's going to be perfect. John so, Mayer is going to look at a camera and he's going to say, I've enjoyed Joe's process the last two years. That's what he's going to say. And uh, unless there's a catastrophic failure, which that is Fadi, to Fadi's question, what will it take for Joe Judge to get fired this year? If at all, I would say if Daniel Jones comes back and the Giants and the Giants like don't win a game with Daniel Jones, don't score. then then John Mayer's brain may change, similar to 2019 where they went on a nine-game losing streak with Pat Shermer. I don't think he wanted to fire Pat Shermer, but when you go on a nine-game losing streak, that's a tough look. It's a, tough, it's, a, it's a really really tough look, and when you can't grab the balls of your defensive coordinator, which really frustrated me, which that's what Joe judge has not been able to do on the offensive side of the ball. So it complicates it because John Mara likes Joe judges process. And I'm not going to lie snacks, even though I think that they should be on the same timeline, even though I hate Joe judges offense and the offense is the most important thing in the game of football. I've liked Joe judges process in the off season and things that he's clearly had an influence on. And I do like Patrick Graham. So those okay. things are ultimate realities too. Yes, and, and there's a there's a question about that that we're going to get to. So don't blow your load yet. Whoa! But I, 
Yeah, well, what relax. do you want? Let, let, let's just get to this. What do you want the Giants to do right now? The season ends today. I don't care about if they win out, if they lose right, so out. I'm not if gonna, Jones uh, comes you don't out. want me to answer this question. Okay. I'm I, I, want, I want you to answer this question on what you want the Giants to do right now with Joe Judge. Okay. Well, what I want them to do with Joe Judge, it has nothing to do with Joe Judge. I want them to hire a general manager from outside the organization that has no ties, never had ties to the Giants organization. Dave Gettleman was player person, uh, uh, director of player personnel from like 98 to 2011. He was an easy candidate to come back in. Now, we need to absolutely strip it down. Strip it down. We need a new GM to come in here and hire his own guys. What he wants to do with Joe Judge, that's his call. That's his call. And I will believe in it if it's a different guy. But okay? this is and what you, complicates this who, next. Who, hold on. Hold on, Justin. Who was the more who was the most proponent of Joe Judge ever? You Me. thought he was a savior. I thought he was a savior, and I was wrong. I was wrong. But go ahead. You're right. Go ahead. But but this is what complicates this whole situation, Snacks. They could bring in an outside GM, but he could have some sort of Joe Judge ties, or he can have some sort of like New England ties, but he could still be a good candidate and people could still like him. But that wouldn't be considered an outsider by the fan base. So my point is, is I think no matter what, no matter what, almost no matter what this organization does, regardless of it's keeping Kevin Abrams, Lewis Riddick, which is becoming like a scary uh, reality. Which it, I don't, it, it really is. Yeah. Start putting that in your head, people. I don't even want to think about that until I have to think about that. But I feel like no matter what this organization does, if Joe Judge is still the head coach, people are not going to believe in the GM. Because even if they are an outsider, even if they are an outsider with even the slightest of Joe Judge ties, people aren't going to be happy with it. And I don't blame them. That's the no, thing. No, it's true. And it's true. It, and to answer, to answer, uh, Fadi dot. Fadi, our friend Fadi. Junior. Yeah, yeah. To answer his question, he brings a good point. I, I want my GM to pick the next head coach. So we all know Dave Gettleman has gone. We, we we know that. And if this next GM says, I want Joe Judge as my head coach, nobody's going to believe him. No one's going to believe him. And that, that's a problem to me because I want continuity. The best teams, the best teams, look at the Colts, look at the Ravens, look at the Chiefs. These, these teams have good rosters because they are in sync with GM and coach. But yes, if the GM wants a new coach, it's all his. He should hire him. Now this could be the way if you if you bring in a Joe Judge guy, this could be the way to get in sync with head coach and GM. Yeah, I I get that, but is is Judge like the guy that we want to 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 be at the forefront of hiring a GM? Uh, it, it becomes very it's it becomes a huge very Bill, it's a it becomes huge very uh, Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien like. See exactly exactly, you just took the words out of my mouth. Exactly. But John Mara has liked Joe Judge's process, and I would be lying to you. Oh, no, he, love, he, loves, he loves Joe Judge. I would be lying to you if I said I did not enjoy what the Giants have done in the 2020 offseason and the 2021 offseason, where I do think at the end of this year, they're going to say 2018 and 20. They're not going to say this definitively, where right. I do think John Mara will say, I've enjoyed Joe's process. I think those were exact words will come out of his mouth. But I think the consensus of the press conference at the end of the year is going to be 2018 and 2019. And those, you know, miscalculations, which that word they've used before, that is why 2021 has been a failure. 
that is what they will kind of portray to the fan base. We've enjoyed we've enjoyed the process of the last two years, but it's the two previous years that have held this team back. Right. So so he's he's going to sell us on that, meaning Judge gets one more year, and he's going to pick the guy, which is – Justin, that's a recipe for disaster. You know that. We you shall know? see. We shall see. we got a ton of time we to still see. talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but right, I, right, but right. I want – I'm saying these things because I want people to think about it. And yes. at the end of the day, I'm not going to believe the in the Giants until they start scoring points at above average rate Facts. and until they start Facts. producing explosive plays at an above average rate. You know, they could do whatever they want on the defensive side of the ball. They could start running the ball however they want. You know, I'm not going to believe in the team until they start producing explosive plays overall, passing and, you know, Passing and running, I don't care if they're last in the NFL in rushes, but if they're first in the NFL, if they wind up top well, 10, yeah, if they yeah. wind up in top 10 in explosive play rate, I'll be behind it and scoring points. Th- that yep. That's the bottom line. That's yep. the bottom line. And if that's with Joe Judge, without Joe Judge, doesn't matter. But Snacks, we got to talk about DraftKings. That's what we got to talk about. Ah, do it. DraftKings, football fans, I am sure... We all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. That was not a lock on Monday night, by the way. Uh, one point being scored was not a lock for Monday Night Football with the Bills, <laughs> with the Bills and the and the and the Patriots. New customers who just bet one dollar on any NFL team to score can win one hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. If sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you could still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone could play for huge catch prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So what I want you to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JohnBoy. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years old or New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Snacks, bring us to the next question. All right. So Sean McKay. Why does field position matter so much if you're a bend but don't break defense? This is a great question. It's a very good question. (laughs) It's a very good question. And I've really (laughs) wondered this and I've sat on this a lot because Sean makes a great point. If you're a bend but don't break defense and if you're going to allow a lot of yards on a drive, what does it matter if you – if you allow a lot of yards that the team's going to ultimately cross the 50-yard line or get into the red zone and you're going to – clamp down in the red zone why does it matter about field position that goes against joe judge's whole point of field position matters that's why we punt that's why we don't go for it on fourth down here's why it does matter and this isn't necessarily in defense of joe judge this is just answering sean's question a bend but don't break defense allows a lot of yards but more importantly they allow a lot of plays because the yards per play, if you look at where the Giants are ranked in that, I think they're probably like middle of the pack. They don't allow a lot of explosive plays from week seven. And I think this stat still has to hold true because Miami did not have an explosive passing day. But from week seven to week, what are we in week? Thir- you know, we just passed week 13, right? Week 13. Yeah. From week seven to week 13, the Giants defense has been number one in the NFL at allowing the explosive pass play at the lowest rate. That's very, very impressive, and that goes towards, you know, I think it mostly reflects on Xavier McKinney's really good play, that Xavier McKinney is a guy that's really stepped up, and he's preventing the deep explosive pass play back there. Bradbury's also had somewhat of a better second half, too. Adoree, when he's played, you know, the secondary is really playing in sync right now, and, and, and good for them. But 
It's not necessarily that they allow a lot of yards, but it's just that they run a lot of plays. And my whole talking point about why the Giants' offense needs to be more explosive is because when you run a lot of plays in a drive, eventually it's going to stall out. Somebody's going to commit a holding penalty. Somebody's going to drop a pass. Somebody's going to have a false start. Somebody's going to make a mistake eventually where it will take a team out of an opportunity to score. It'll take a team out of an opportunity to score seven points and you'll settle for three or they stall out towards midfield and then you force a punt. So that is why bend but don't break. It matters on it matters for a defense that has the mentality of bend but don't break to play the field position game because you want an offense to run a lot of plays. The more plays that they run in a given drive, sometimes the less likely they are to put seven points on the board. And I think that is why that's important. Now, that's my theory. I don't have data back backing up by that. But, Sean, that is a great question, and that's my theory. Yeah, well, it's a phenomenal question, first of all. And second of all, it's a great explanation because we are we are counting on the defense to do everything. We're, we're almost counting on to score touchdowns. Yeah. So, yeah. So the bend but don't break defense is exactly what we need right now. You know, we're, we're limited at pass rush. We're limited on on everything else. The fact that you can go out, out there and stop an offense to, to three points, as a defense, you should feel pretty okay about that. And to, to, to your point, Justin, yes, absolutely. It's been the, the mantra of Patrick Graham's defense, and I, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, Especially- I don't prefer it. I mean, let, let's – I don't prefer allowing a lot of yards – I would rather a defense that forces three and outs, but for the circumstances that we're looking at with this Giants team where they can't stop the run, I mean, especially because they can't stop the run, they can't stop the run and they can't get to the quarterback, playing the bend but don't break and running a lot of plays is just what this defense needs to do. If Leonard Williams can step up, which I I know you love to hear this, I'm not happy with Leonard Williams this year. I'm not happy. However, if they could get an edge presence, not having an edge presence on this team does not help Leonard Williams. It does not help no. these interior defense alignment. Um, so we'll acknowledge that in the offseason, get the edge help, and then hopefully this defense can take us. I, I, I hope so. I up. hope so. Because if we have an edge presence edge presence on, on the edge, Leonard Williams is going to feast. Yeah, that's the goal. So that's the hope. I, it, that, that's, yes, that's the hope. Because Leonard Williams is a good football player. Yeah. I may, I may you know, rip on him a lot, but... He's a very good football player. He's and leading the league amongst defense alignment and tackles. I'm which Yeah, no, I know. I know. I think that I says um, I don't know how he's much it says snacks. I don't know how much it says about Leonard Williams being a really really good football player, but it says that he's active, he gets after the football and like he's not just on the team, he's leading amongst defense alignment. Right. He's leading the NFL in tackles as a defense alignment. So, yeah. he's been all right not and hate. decent against the run, but it's against the pass where he's just not generating the the same pressure that he did last year, even though the sack number I think is somewhere where people are somewhat happy with. I'm not happy with the pressure. So we'll, you know, hopefully that can improve next year. Talk about, well, well yeah, we'll, we can talk about it in a second. All Let's right. Let's get you to these next, next two questions. All right. All right. All right. From uh, Joey, Joey Muni underscore nine. Is James Bradbury an average corner now? What do you think has been the problem this year of his regression? And then we'll follow that up with uh, from Jacob Nason. What did they see in Zoe Carter in training camp? Graham was moved to tears in a press conference talking about him being a new player. They were talking him up like he was going to be have 10 sacks. 
He's invisible all season. I love this question. So why I paired these two questions together? Love this question. Because there's a, going to be a conversation this offseason as we evaluate this roster with the new GM coming in. Yep. And as we reflect on Giants fans, like what we think of this roster, there's going to be a conversation of Giants fans over-evaluate and over-hype up a lot of their players on their roster, which I do very much think that's the case. Think that's that, that's the case. Been, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's been the case for years. Though, yeah, so, which yeah. we're going to have that conversation, but I want to make a distinction. James Bradbury's 2020, very, very justified to get hyped up after that. He had an all, he had an all-pro Pro Bowl year. Literally, yeah. which everybody knows, yeah. but yeah. let's not. I don't want to have this revisionist history, which I can see this. I can see this being said by a decent amount of people. James Bradbury was never that good for the Giants. Now, his 2020 was good and his 2021 is worse than 2020, but it's still like not bad. And we'll, we'll get to him. Lorenzo Carter, however, by the way, I kind of fell for it where I said to myself, you know what? You look at Lorenzo Carter start to his 2020. And even though his pass rushing numbers, his pressures, his QB hits, and his sacks weren't that much different than 2018 and 2019, I still believe that he's going to bump up that production. I literally said it. I said it like during his PPP, and I said it myself. I fell for it. I fell for the over-optimism, and I, and I fell for the hype just because the hype for the sake of hype, right? And I fell for Patrick Graham. I, I've never been more pissed at Patrick Graham. Crying. He cried yeah. over Lorenzo Carter, who doesn't have a sack this year. And it's so huge. I was talking about this on the recap show on, on Monday. It is so huge that they gave that sack to Aziz Ojolari on Sunday on Tua instead of Lorenzo Carter. Because great for Aziz, he got the rookie sack record. Lorenzo Carter still doesn't have a sack this year. <laughs> and it's crazy. You know, he's on it. He's expiring. He is on his, he is looking for a new contract this year and he has zero sacks this year. I understand he's coming back from injury. So that is one player that one player that we did over evaluate. What did they see in Lorenzo Carter in training camp? I don't know. We weren't there. Uh, they probably saw a player like he was in 2020 Lorenzo Carter has always just been one of those good football players that sticks out maybe on film but doesn't really provide you much in the stat sheet and not even the advanced stat sheet, not even like giving you pressures or QB hits or especially not really sacks on a consistent basis. So it, it sucks that obviously Zoe didn't fit, fit the bill in 2020 and there was optimism around him. But James Bradbury, in my opinion, before I get to numbers, I think the fact that the Giants did not have a quality good CB2 last year in their slot corner was a rookie, I think that helped James Bradbury because look, then you had teams. Better. You had yeah. teams in 2020 that circled the young guys and said, "We're going to go after Isaac Adam, who's a who's a bad football player, and we're going to go after Darnay Holmes, who is a rookie. Like we're going to go after those weak spots on this Giants defense more than James Bradbury. And James Bradbury genuinely did have a good year. Now he was targeted 91 times. But 91 times being targeted, that was the least amount of times that he was targeted in his entire career where he was playing like 16 games. 2018, he was targeted 113 times. 2019, he was targeted 97 times. 2020, he was targeted 91. So it was, it was a slight step down. But also, James Bradbury is allowing more big plays. He His longest last year in 2020, he allowed a 28-yard play to Juju Smith-Schuster week one, and then that was it. This year, he's allowed plays of 
25 yards, 58 yards, 49 yards, and then 25 yards, and then 20 yards. So there's been one, two, three, four, five games this year where he's allowed a passing play of over 20 yards, which that hurts. That, you know, when you have the eyesore of you allow a big play, that hurts. Where last year in 2020, James Bradbury didn't allow anything big. He allowed nothing big. And he also was a leader in the NFL in pass deflections, which even though he has 11 pass deflections this year, I don't think he's like leading the NFL. So he's not making as many plays on the football, but still he's not having a bad year where I'm like, I want to move on from James Bradbury this offseason and possibly save some cap. James Bradbury deserves to be here and he's part of the solution. My take. Yeah. Yeah, No, no, no. It's a good take. And it's a fine take. Um, we, we, I think we expected as fans, uh, especially me, like you break, you got, you and Bobby break it down so much better. But as, as a fan from like an outside perspective, I expected Bradbury to be like locked down. Yeah. Like nobody's catching balls. Nobody's he been doing worse. anything. He's been really, he has not been good this year. Okay. And with four minutes and 49 seconds left, Jalen Waddle, was it, I, I don't even know if it was Jalen Waddle. But Tua threw a backdoor throw to the sideline on third and eight when we could have got out of it. And he wasn't even close to completing it or, or, or even close to, like, contesting it. So that, that upsets me a little bit. But you're right. James Bradbury is a part of the solution. He's not a part of the decimation of what should be this team. Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury are very good. James Bradbury, if we're going to talk about him as as direct as we are, no, he's not as good as he was last year. Is that a product of no pass rush and they have all day in the world to throw the ball? Yeah, probably. Um, I'm not a Blake Martinez fan, but Blake Martinez covered up a lot of sins on that on that defense last year too. Yeah, so, he was good in coverage. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He, he over the middle. He had everything on lock, and he was he was very good. So. Backloading his contract and and restructuring everything, we're stuck with him. Yeah, and I think he's, but I think he's okay. And I think you probably agree with this too. Having two very good cornerbacks in a Dory Jackson who is very good. You know, if he if he's healthy, he's very good. Yeah, very good. And James Bradbury, which yes, no, he's not been amazing this year. Fine. But to have those two as my QB, uh, CB1 and CB2, I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to get off the Bradbury train yet, um, but I can understand why people would be – fans would be frustrated with his play, especially after watching what happened in the fourth quarter on third, da- third and eight yeah. with four minutes and 30 seconds to go left in the game last week. So he's allowed big plays that have been eyesores. I mean, that's, yes. that's yeah, really, that, see, that's the thing. You know, that's a perfect way to say it. Yes. Big plays that have been eyesores that did not, that, I mean, flat out, it just didn't happen in 2020 where nope. there have been times this year where we've said James Bradbury's name and like, damn, that's a, that's a bad play. I think of that, uh, that Amari Cooper was it Amari Cooper's CD lamb touchdown against Dallas this year on the sideline. Yeah. You know, where yeah, Bradbury uh, CD, was one-on-one. CD and Lamb. CD Lamb. That was, was CD Lamb. 
yeah, you know, yeah. and it, well, Bradbury, you know, Bradbury was one on one, and then C.D. Lamb beats him on a vertical route, and you know, Julian Love as the as the deep safety maybe doesn't get there on time. You know, there have just been a, a lot of plays this year where it's eyesores of oh, there's James Bradbury, you know, right. tailing, trailing in coverage, and already this year he's allowed more yards after the catch according to Pro Football Reference. He's already allowed more yards after the catch this year than he did all of last year in the 15 games that he's played, and he's played in 11 this year. So he has been worse, but. It's just a testament, I think, to how good his 2020 was, where yes. you just flat out, yes. you never, 25-yard play. That was the longest play that he allowed last year, and that was week one. That was week yeah. one. Justin, <laughs> we, we, we were talking, uh, like, I, I remember you and Bobby talking, I talking to Giants, like, and, and me and you just uh, in conversation on the side. He was that damn good. Yeah. He was like a top three corner last year. Yeah, he was. And he certainly is taking a step down. When we signed him for $14.5 million a year, the expectation was he wasn't going to be a a top five corner. I feel like the expectation, I feel like the expectation for what we signed James Bradbury for was almost like what he's doing this year, where he's allowing some big plays, but he has still, but he's still been okay. Yep. Right. Yep. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's get on to the next question. All right, let's get into some fun. All right, let's go, Gasman. All right, what what do we got here? Superstar. QB. <laughs> the gas, man, the gas. All right, so QB, coaches, and kitchen uh, kickers aside, if you can keep one player from each position group for the next year, who are they? And from those not picked, who would we get the most in a trade for? Okay, so I want to do this question. We may ignore the trade question. Yeah, I, that, that's a little too uh, in depth. It's too it's too big brain question for us. But yeah. I want to go offensive line, simple Andrew Thomas, right? The only one, yeah. And this is this is without this is without knowing Nick Gates's injury history. So, but even even with Nick Gates, I would prefer Andrew Thomas because of positional value, and I think he's just a better oh, football player. With one, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Andrew Thomas. Yes. If you can keep one player from each position group for next year, so Andrew Thomas, number one, wide receiver, we're both saying Tony. Correct. Now, tight end, I have to say Evan Ingram, which is kind of crazy. I, you know what? You know it's going to kill me too, but he's been he's been great. He's I, been great. I mean, gr- all right. Now, people have been okay, saying okay, that he's been okay, great. Not great. You're right. You're right. You're right. They not need to great. cool it. But he's been not the worst player in the NFL like he was in 2020. And he's been average. Like he's been an okay. average when he's when he's targeted. He catches the ball and that's about it. But see, here's my thing, Justin, with that. I have I have bitched and moaned about the Giants for all year. And the fact that I haven't even brought up Evan Ingram as a problem is a good sign. He's caught everything that's been thrown to him. Well, he's been fine. He's wasn't, been wasn't, there, wasn't there an, an Atlanta game where people were booing him off the field because he committed a turnover and we lost that no, game? No, 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 no. We, we, uh, we ch- I th- well, probably booed him off the field, but we also cheered when he went out. Oh, yeah. That was funny. But after that, you know what? He has shut everybody up, and he's been very good. Yeah, so, after that, he's been targeted 20 times in 10 games, yeah. and he's made uh, seven catches. So great for him. Um, oh, Sunday really was, awesome. we, we discussed this on the, the recap pod. It's embarrassing that this last game against Miami, where he had four catches for 60-something yards, 50-something yards, was his second best game since 2019. That's embarrassing. Pathetic. It's All right, pathetic. now what I'm doing to make this more difficult is – I am okay. combining the defensive line room and the edge room. So you can only bring back one player from both the defensive line room and the edge room 
who would that be for you? It's basically Aziz or Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence yeah. if you like him. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to take Aziz. Okay. I know you, you're going to hate that, but Aziz is on rookie contract. He's got six and a half sacks. I don't. I'm not overly impressed with him. Unfortunately, I don't think he's like a dominant pass rusher. I think he's got a lot of coverage sacks. I'm Aziz is having the year, the exact year at, at this point. Now, he was setting the world on fire earlier, but if you were to tell me 11 games in that Aziz has six and a half sacks, I would say, yes, like I expect that. And, I, and I'd yeah. be happy with that. So keep going. As a second round pick, yeah, absolutely. Somebody that people pegged us to take with the 11th pick before <laughs> yeah. even trading back. So um, no, he, he's been phenomenal. And yes, I I know I know I have talked a lot of smack about Leonard Williams, but he's he's an absolute ball player. But if I'm going to take one right now, I'm taking Aziz on the defensive line and, and the edge rush. I would take Leonard Williams. I would take yeah, Leonard Williams. I, you you can't argue. No, I know you can't argue it. Yeah. I get it. And I, and I'm it's it's close because Aziz Ojolari can be a solid number two, and I think that's a ceiling. There's nothing wrong with that ceiling. A solid number two edge rusher. And if you can have like two solid, ed- like if you can have like a, a an A one tier edge rusher, that number two edge rusher becomes very very important because of all the attention that that guy is going to get. So it's very close, but I do prefer if I were to pick one guy, I would pick Leonard. Yeah, see, I I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Like Aziz is a perfect a perfect number two, and I don't want to bring up OC because OC could be a number or he could have been a number one anywhere, but. In that old time frame with like Strahan, Tuck, and OC, he kind of reminds me of a Tuck that comes in situationally and is going to pass rush. That's not sustained success when Tuck in 2006, 2007, when he's getting all his edge rushes because OC and, and Strahan are getting all the target, all the attention. Um, he doesn't really, he doesn't pop off the screen. Getting sacks is all well and good, but yeah, I'm with you. Leonard Williams. Well, Leonard Williams is a stud. He's a stud. I hate you for it, but he's a stud. People were giving um uh Aziz comparisons to OC after we no, after we absolutely not. No, no. Who? Give me names. Oh, I don't it, it was happening, but uh, I, I, Give me I, names. I don't I don't have a name. Uh, Aziz Ojolari is a very good ball player. He will never even remotely come close to what OC Uminura was. Well, so. I hope you're wrong. I love OC. I mean, I, 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 Justin, I hope I'm wrong too, but OC's your favorite. You know he how is. good he was. He is. You it's know my, how good he was. It's my yeah. dream to interview him. All right, next two serious questions, and then we have three fun ones to end it off. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay. So, Austin Ionetta. That's a nice name. How was your uh, – okay, how has your perception on draft needs changed from the beginning of this season to now? And then Emmanuel figured it out, followed up with that. Hey, boys, how we living? Justin Pennick, when you said you're at the point that the G-men should be looking at QB next year, did you mean drafting, trading, free agent, or signing? Now, Austin asked a really good question. It's a great question. Perceptions on draft needs changed from beginning of the season to now? They really haven't. Did we not view the edge room to be the most concerning room and position group on the giants like from now to end of the you know from the beginning of the season to now and then obviously because of the injuries but we ultimately view offensive line as the bigger need but did we not view those two positional groups offensive line and edge as problems before the season except now they're just much worse than we thought (laughs) right yeah 
20 times more worse than we thought. You know, so I, I really don't feel like perceptions of draft needs have changed all that much, except this is what Manny asked, who I had a convo with Manny on the, the pregame stream for the Dolphins games, and he's a really smart guy. Shout out to you, Manny. Um, Manny is a, he is a very smart guy. Except, except, except. I do not blame the Giants if they want to start thinking about quarterback because if Daniel Jones misses an extended period of time for the third year in a row, um, I don't blame if they I don't blame if they, if they want to start thinking about it. Now, right. Manny's talking about drafting, trading, or a free agent signing. Manny, I don't know. Um, I, I would just say draft because that's the easiest thing, but then you're talking about, well, I don't want to address the QB position in the second, third, fourth round because that's not smart that we're talking about using one of the first round picks. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, quarter, NFL teams are bad at evaluating quarterbacks, so that means I'm bad at evaluating quarterbacks too. And I, I haven't started yet. I don't know. But my whole point is with Jones missing an extended period of time, I don't blame a fan, the team, anybody. And frankly, I'm starting to think about it myself. I'm thinking about what the Giants may do at the quarterback spot in the future. Could be this offseason, yep. next offseason, whatever. But Jones... Regardless of how he plays, which he's not playing that well, right? Regardless of how he's playing, if he misses time, especially if he misses time in November and December, it sucks. And you can't have it for three years in a row. Yeah, so that that that's kind of exactly where I'm at. And I, I think we, we we both like Daniel Jones. Like on the surface, you know, if he if we built that offensive line with the two first round but picks. But you can't I, love Daniel Jones at this point. No, you, you can't. can't. And see, this, this is exactly where I'm going. You can't love him. And that's why I was just going to piggyback off of what you said. If any fan wants to draft a quarterback or trade our picks for a quarterback, I get that. I, I truly do. We have been suffering for too long. I get it. I'm at the, I'm at the point right now I don't ever want to draft a quarterback in the, with one of those two picks. I want an edge rusher and I want an offensive lineman. Those are the two things I want. I think that can build this team. And then um, I guess kind of to this question, I know nobody's asking me, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Uh <laughs> tell me what you think about like Derek Carr, like as a stop gap for one year, 19 million, it's only 10 million more than Daniel. He's a free agent after the year. And I was reading that his value is a second and a third. It desperately depends on the system, right? Because Derek yeah, I, Carr, I, I don't want, I don't want to bring it up like this, but I, I do have some like reasoning behind it. So I kind of want to bring it to you. So no, I mean, it, it, it desperately depends on the offensive coordinator that we bring right. in. If, if we bring yeah. in an offensive coordinator that kind of mirrors Daniel Jones's strengths, which also low key would be a offensive coordinator that would mirror Derek Carr's strengths. Right. Um, then we can have that conversation. But if, if yeah. we bring in another Jason Garrett light type of coordinator, now I don't mean Jason Garrett like bad, but a guy that has a low average depth of target, doesn't prioritize throwing the ball down the field. Maybe in, our, is a, in our, in our archaic offensive system. Yeah. Maybe it's a yak. Yeah. Maybe it's a yards after the catch centered offense. Yeah. If you're not stretching the field, right. Because typically when you have an offense that you stretch it down the field, the yards after the catch is lower. Right. The quick game is supposed to prioritize yards after the catch, but Jason Garrett never got that memo. So, you know, it all depends on the offense coordinator that we bring in snacks. So, you know, it, we we may be in a spot where it's like, well, we're hearing some rumblings that Saquon Barkley may be involved in a trade, and then we can throw in some extra picks and entice teams with Saquon plus draft picks, and then boom, that's a quarterback. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And you know those psychos in uh in Las Vegas, they uh you know they love those running backs over there. You know they <laughs> they, they 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 love them to death. No, I know, and th that's why I kind of just want to like bring it to the table real quick before anything was was talked about. Uh, just like kind of like a thought, but yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. 
All right, let's um, uh, all right, let's have some fun with these last three questions. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Justin from uh, Robert Pupkin, uh, Rupert Pupkin. Sorry, pick three giant beat reporters to fight to death with you against the rest of them. Who do you have? So I'm picking three guys to fight with me against the death. Yeah, against I guess it's against the rest of the beat reporters. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take Zach Zach Rosenblatt. Because, oh, that's a terrible pick. Well, I know. And that's he's, your first pick. Yeah, no, he, he's uh, he, he's soft, but he's but you know what he is. You know what I care about most? He's loyal. Wow, this is true. He's loyal. So I'll take loyalty over anybody. I'm going to take Art after that because I uh, I want to I want to really I want I want to build I want to build this wall up. Nobody gets through. And then after that, well, I'm definitely not taking Jordan Renan because he's just going to run away. Uh, I think Dan Duggan has a little kind of spiciness to him. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I do. I do. I think this is going to be a little hot take, but I think he's got a little uh, little spunk to him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Zach, Art, and, and Dan to, to fight with me. That's what I'm going to do. Although Dan did have another kid, so he might be a little softer than I, I would imagine. Well, no, maybe he has, like, dad rage. That is, well, see, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's got dad rage. And I, I, I read his articles, and he's got rage writing those articles because yes. he don't want to cover his dog shit team. So, somebody, somebody said, uh, this is a really good article about depression. He's like, well, that's what I've done since I've come <laughs> yeah. to, the, to the team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so I think you're going to die, frankly. Um Oh, I disagree. I mean, Art, I have Art. You know, I I could see Art having dad rage, too. Yeah, Um, well, that's why I got him. Art, so I have Art number one. Um, Either Chris or Jerry, whoever whoever is the reporter out of them, if you even consider them. But here, I have a good explanation why. Like, Chris or Jerry from Giant Insider. Can't wait to hear this one. Because one of them's got that New York in him. He's got that New York accent. So I'll tell you, bada bing, bada boom, I'll beat the shit out of you. It's like, that. that's what I'm thinking. Fair. So okay. that's number two. I've never seen his face. He could be five foot four for all I know. <laughs> um, and then Tom Rock, number three. Tom Rock, great, great call here. Bald head. Call. If you got a bald head, you're you're willing to get down. And also with the name Tom Rock, how can you not be ready to fight? It's great. It's a great point. So I mean, I would my trio of beat reporters. We would have to clone Art Stapleton, but we would kill you. Yeah, but I still think I win. All right, Snacks, second and last question. What do we got? All right, what do we got? Okay, so from Danny McGrady. Uh, I don't like the Irish, but anyway. <laughs> how are we in December 2021 and people are still falling for at West Steinberg? Just seems ridiculous to me. So I'm still not clear if Jason <laughs> Jason LaConfora, which, which by the way, Jason LaConfora. That's is the, the one that got got today. Is yeah. the same guy who had the report that Joe Judge wanted to fire Jason Garrett at the start of 2020, which if you're getting got by Wes Steinberg, everything that you do and everything that you say before gets questioned. However, I don't think Jason was got because... He said to one of I gotta find the tweet, but give 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 your thoughts while I find the tweet. Yeah, no, see, I, I completely disagree. I think he completely got got. Um, West Steinberg is one of uh, he is a, a patriarch of of Giants Twitter. He might be the best it, part of this season. He, uh, without a doubt, he's gotten so many people, and I think he got Jason Lockham for it. I really do. 
um, because there was no rebuttal after that. There was no reply after that. I read the replies, everything. There was nothing. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say he got got. He I think that's exactly got. why he didn't, though. The fact that he didn't, the fact that he didn't reply, and the fact that he didn't, he didn't delete the tweet. So Wes Steinberg said Giants head coach Joe Judge on the decision to punt fourth, fourth and two on Sunday. We're expecting for 60 minutes to try and win. We felt it was necessary to try and get Riley Dixon involved early, as we know, he, as we knew he was going to be big for us this week. And then Jason Lockenford quote tweeted it and said, "Can't make this stuff up now." I think it's funny. It's funny that he said the same thing that Giant Insider said when they genuinely fell for it. I don't think he got got because clearly he knows that this is a parody account by now and he would have deleted the tweet. You're sure about that? And it happened at 10 a.m. We are you're recording. Sure, we are now sure at 10 p.m. It has been 12 hours. He has not deleted the tweet. Ah, uh, dude, I, I I think he got got, but that that's just me. I also don't. I don't trust the media. Media some so. Media some clowns. Yeah, I, I I don't trust any of them. But you're right, Jason. He did break the the Jason Garrett. So maybe he's kind of in a loop and just kind of wanted to screw around with us Giants fans. But if Jason I, didn't come out I with that, he, story, I think he got got Justin. I think Jason, he got got. If he didn't come out with that story and say Joe Judge wanted Jason Garrett fired at the start of 2020, I think I would be laughing right now saying that he got got. But the fact that I want that narrative to continue means that I'm going to believe that he knew that it was a fake account. That's fair enough. I mean, let's, right, so- what, what is what is the final line of Wes's, of Wes's, uh, literally, you click on Wesley Steinberg's account, <laughs> the final line of his bio, hardest working beat reporter for the worst organization in sports, or in the sport, excuse me. Uh, he's hysterical. All right, Sh- shout, out we- shout out Wes Steinberg. What's the final question, Snacks? Take us home. All right, yeah, let's do it. One more. All right, so we got uh, Eli Two Plaques at Eli Two Plaques. So, like, what should we be looking for on Sundays at this point? You're answering this. I'm not. You want me to answer this one, huh? Uh Uh-huh. All right, so what I think we should be looking for is a uh, not a conservative approach to NFL offense. Um you know, last week we saw Joe Judge not go for it on fourth and two at midfield and fourth and three from their own 47. I'd like to see a, a non I'd, – I'd like to see an aggressive approach. It, it's difficult to, to answer this question without our QB1 in the game, but I, I want to see the ball. I want to see Tony play. Um, I want to see Galladay get the ball. I want to see him get targets. We, we paid a lot of money for this. And we, you know, we, we missed on two guys and Mika Parsons and Rashawn Slater, who are going to be two all pros as rookies to move back, get an extra first that we all agree was a, the right move at the time. So I want to see Tony get the ball in his hands. I want to see him move. I want to see him do everything like that. Um, again, it's going to be difficult without QB one, but I want to see the offense have some continuity and I want to see some aggressiveness from Joe Judge. So that's, I mean, what else can I really ask for at this point? In the All season? right, so that was what should we look for? What are you looking for? Like your, That's exactly what I'm looking for. Y- really? That's your, that's your serious answer? You don't want to give a psychotic answer? 
No, I'm not gonna do. Uh, you want me? You want you want psychotic answer? I want to. Uh, what What are you looking for on Sunday snacks? All right. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to beat the ever living shit out of the Chargers. Okay. Oh. Okay. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna beat the ever living shit out of the Chargers. We're gonna go five and eight, and then we're gonna run the table. We're gonna have a lot of losses in between, and we're gonna go to the playoffs. Once we get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So we're gonna we're, what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to L.A. with Jake Fromm, who is a game manager. He's going to manage the game very well. He's going to hand the ball off a miserable, rotten scumbag defense that can't stop the run with the chargers. We're going to run the ball. We're going to, we're going to control the clock. We're going to do everything. We're going to go right into Joe judges system. That's what he is. He loves, he loves his process. He loves all that. So we're going to win that game. And then we're going to win every single game after that. We're going to go nine and eight and the dominoes are going to fall and we're going to go to the playoffs and then, once we get to the playoffs, we're going to beat Matt Stafford in L.A. And then after we beat them, after we beat them, then we'll talk. Then we'll talk. That's All where right. I stop. That's where I stop. All right. But, no, but, yes, Tony, offensive system, aggressiveness, all that. That's what I want to see. All right. Thank you for listening. We will see you on <laughs> Friday for a preview pod and until then let's go big blue John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.